The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Happy Resurrection Sunday one more time. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a God who is not dead? Amen. A Savior who is alive. Uh, Buddha, dead. Muhammad, dead. Jesus, he's alive. Amen. I love it. He's alive. Praise God. Why don't you hold your Bible? Lift it up real high. We're going to jump straight into it. If you're reading from your cell phone, you can leave that too. You may not get another opportunity to show it off. <laughs> Amen. And shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. A doer, not just a yearer. Today, Nam Shlange, Vandav, Nasi Chaye. I will hear from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Am I the only one who's multilingual in this church? Because I see the, the confidence drops when I say today. Today! Nam Tlanje, Nam Tlanje, Vandag, Vandag. Nasi Chaye Shandaraboku. Everybody's getting confused somewhere in there. Amen. Anyway, uh, we're going to jump straight into the Word of God. Man, who's excited about today's Word? I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so Good Friday was awesome. We talked about uh, what Jesus did for us at the cross. One of the things that Jesus, uh, you know, uh, said at the cross, he said, it is finished. And we say that phrase, uh, it is finished, is not a phrase of uh, giving up. You know, sometimes the English language uh, can miss out on some truths that God wants us to get. And so every now and again, we revert to the original language that the text was written in, uh, not to impress you, but to impress upon you that this is the truth of what God wants you to receive. Amen. And so when Jesus said, it, it is finished, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is fin- I'm finished. <laughs> Amen? That's not what it was. Uh, The phrase, it is finished, is actually in the Greek, tetelestai, which means paid in full. Amen? Uh, So someone may ask, what was paid in full? The debt uh, that was uh, 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 due to our account, uh, which we couldn't pay uh, our own selves, uh, Jesus paid for it in full at the cross. Uh, What else did he uh, uh, say tetelestai for? He was bringing an end to the old dispensation, to the dispensation of the law, and he was bringing us into a new dispensation known as the dispensation of grace. Amen? And so there are some promises is that Jesus paid for at the cross. When he said it is finished, there are some things that Jesus paid for, and he paid for these things by his own precious blood. Amen? And so these things are now available to all of us. And so we said on Friday that now when you approach the Bible as a new covenant believer, you must approach it as a love letter filled with promises made by your heavenly father. So you and I no longer approach the word of God as a a, a rules and regulations book. 
I did that for many, many years, and uh, all I was looking for going into scripture was uh, the rules and regulations. Should women uh, wear makeup? Let's see if there's a Bible verse for that. Uh, should uh, 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 people eat pork? Let's see if there's a Bible verse for it. I looked at scripture as a, as a rule book. God never intended for the Bible to be a rule book. The Bible is a book filled with promises that have been dipped and guaranteed in blood. Amen? And so when you read from Revelations to Jude, uh, which is the New Covenant uh, description, it has all the terms of the New Covenant. Hey, Sister Amanda, good to see you. Praise God. Welcome. Happy New Year, first of all. Happy New Year. That's what I should be saying. (laughs) Man, I've known... Uh, Sister Amanda for 10, 11 years now, probably 11 years. Man, she's just a blessing to Chipo and I, and uh, we love it. The little girls, when we met them, they were like two. And Kutle was like little, he was like, now they're teenagers, and they're doing well in school. Some of the most well-behaved kids that I know in town, amen? And uh, it's just awesome what she's doing with them. And so, uh, these promises have been dipped in blood. Amen? And they've been guaranteed uh, by Jesus himself. And so when you get into the word from Romans to Jude, you can see all the different promises that he has already paid for. He has already made all these things available for you. And the good news, like I said, what makes Good Friday good is that these things have already been paid for. All you have to do now is to go to the uh, 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 office and uh, make a claim on them, redeem the things that Jesus has already paid for, and we redeem those things by faith. There are several scriptures that talk about that. Uh, you know, Romans 5 verse 2 says we have access into the grace catalog. That's what I like to call it. We have access into the grace catalog by faith. Amen? And so when you come every single Sunday, uh, what we are doing is, or what we are trying to do, is to try and help you realize the things that have already been paid for, and uh, with that also help you to read the menu for yourself. Because all that's left is uh, for you to learn how to read the menu, and of course order for yourself. Because a lot of people know how to read the menu, but they still uh, order all kinds of, you know, El Gabaj, uh, for lack of a, a better word. Uh, what I mean by that is that they are using uh, their words to release or order the things that are not on the grace menu. Your mouth, how many of you know that your, with your mouth, you can place an order spiritually and things will manifest? The Bible says death and life are in the power of your tongue. So if you just, you know, say all kinds of stuff and you don't train your mouth to speak the word of God, speak the word only, to speak the grace language, man, you order all kinds of things and all kinds of things will happen in your life that shouldn't be happening. But when you learn how to speak the grace language, you can order from the promise catalog and your life will be beautiful. Amen? And so that's what makes Good Friday awesome. Moving right along, uh, we look today at uh, the Resurrection Sunday. We look at the, we want to look at the significance of the Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Why is it important uh, uh, to us uh, who call ourselves uh, children of God? And as we go uh, to that, we're going to look at something else in Ephesians chapter number four, if you will. Ephesians chapter number four. You can turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 8. Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 8 to 12. 
We know, again, that when Jesus said it is finished at the cross, uh, he didn't mean that the entire plan of salvation had been completed because there were still some things that Jesus did on the three days and three nights uh, that he was in the tomb. Amen? And uh, we know that there's some things that he also did after he was uh, uh, raised from the dead or resurrected. Uh, and we know that there's some things that he did when he ascended into heaven. Amen. And so scripture says uh, in Ephesians chapter number 4 from verse 8 to 12, uh, it says, Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, talking about Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. That phrase, captivity, captive, is talking about the saints of old who had died in the Old Testament before the coming uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They couldn't go straight to heaven or be reconciled uh, with God immediately because Jesus hadn't uh, died on the cross. He hadn't completely propitiated us, for a lack of a better word. He hadn't completely uh, justified or delivered us uh, from the dominion of sin so they couldn't go into into the presence of God, that had to happen. And so they went into an area called a, a, a paradise or a holding place. And uh, Jesus gives us a glimpse, when, a glimpse of that when he uh, shares the parable of the uh, Abraham, the rich uh, guy, and uh, Lazarus. You remember the story? He says there was a gulf fixed between Abraham, uh, uh, the rich guy, and Lazarus. And uh, he's talking about paradise. And so scripture says he led captivity captive. He's talking about Jesus led a parade. He was the first fruits, the firstborn, and he led a parade uh, when he was now uh, going to heaven. And here's what's so cool about it is that uh, while he was leading this parade and route to heaven, Scripture records in uh, John chapter number 19, uh, uh, I'm not sure of the verse, it could be 40 and 41, John chapter number 19, it says that when Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, uh, dead men of old were seen walking in the streets of Jerusalem. There was so much resurrection life that dead people, people who had died 4,000 prior, were seen walking in the streets of Jerusalem. That's how powerful and that's how much life was available in the earth at that time. Amen? I said amen. And so it says here in verse 9, uh, uh, the same one talking about Jesus, that he led captivity captive. It says in verse 9, now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. So something spiritual happened in the, in the spiritual realm when Jesus died at the cross. He just didn't die and uh, wait for the third day to resurrect. Something happened. And we get a little bit of insight into that. He says he descended into the lower parts of the earth. And if you read in the book of Revelations, we know that there was a battle that took place between Jesus and the devil. And uh, Jesus won spectacularly. And he reclaimed the authority that Adam had given up in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis, Jesus reclaimed that authority, and when he was raised, uh, he came back to the disciples and he says, Now all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given unto me, and he delegated that authority. He says, Now you go and use this authority. Amen? It didn't take, I might just add, it didn't take three days and three nights, by the way, for Jesus to defeat the devil. I believe it took uh, uh, maybe about 0 0.1 milliseconds. He just showed up and then, psh, it's over. Amen? 
It wasn't like scuffling, wrestling, round one, round two. No, it was just a piece of cake for Jesus. Amen? And if you read in Colossians 2.15, he said he spoiled all principalities. That's how spectacular his victory was. He says he spoiled all principalities and made a public show of them, triumphing them over them openly. And here, the Apostle Paul in uh, Colossians 2.15 is borrowing from a Roman tradition. And this is what they would do when they defeat an opposing nation. They would take the king from that nation, strip him naked, take, uh, cut his ring finger so that he doesn't have any ability to make any decrees anymore. And they would parade him in the streets so that all the citizens could see that there is no more danger. And essentially, that's what Jesus did when he defeated the devil. He stripped him of all power. He stripped him of all authority. Your enemy is not a lion. He's just a toothless lion. He has been stripped of all power. Amen? Amen? Amen. The devil no longer has any real power. The only power that he operates in, uh, in the new covenant, is the power to deceive. He makes it seem that he is uh, something that he is not. He will make it seem in the natural that it is something that it really isn't. This is why we need to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we go with sight, we can be deceived. So I came to proclaim this morning that the devil has been defeated. I came to proclaim that he has been stripped of all authority that he took from Adam. I came to proclaim that his ring finger has been cut. He cannot put anything on you that can be enforceable. Hallelujah. He can't put a curse on you, can't be enforceable. He can't put a sickness on me, can't be enforceable. He can attempt to, but I can use the authority that Jesus obtained and gave back to me and say, hey, Mr. Devil, you tried, but I'm going to kick you out. In Jesus' name, Puma. See, a lot of people give the devil more credit than what is due to him. He's a weak, useless spirit. In fact, the Bible records in the Old Testament that when we finally get to heaven and we see who he really is, people are going to be so surprised. They're going to say, is this the one? Is this the one that terrorized nations? All of a sudden, you're going to see him for who he really is. A little puny, weak thing hiding in the corner there. That you should be walking around all over, stepping on him. Someone shout, the devil is under my feet. That's how you should live your life. With the devil under your feet. Amen? He's under your feet. He has been defeated. How many of you believe that? So that means the next time you walk into a city and they say, Oh, brother, I just want to let you know that there are principalities in this town. (laughs) Some of you, when you buy a new house, man, you call the church office, man, I'd like for Pastor T to come and cleanse. What are you talking about? Cleanse of what? Just walk in there and say, Devil, Mr. Devil, you are not welcome here. Puma! In fact, there's a story that's recorded of Smith Wigglesworth uh, in the days of candles and stuff. Uh, he was a mighty man of God. And uh, so he was getting ready to sleep, you know, on his bed. And uh, uh, just before he fell asleep, he heard some manifestations on, in, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the front of the bed. And uh, so he lit a candle to see what was going on there. And then when he lit the candle, he saw that it was a tokolosh. <laughs> 
And he said, oh, it's just you. And then he blew the candle and went to sleep. Now, aren't your neighbor and ask them, what would you have done? You see, because what you do is a reflection of whether you think the battle was won or not. I would have called all my family, you know what, I think we need to put together a prayer group, a prayer chain. We, can't, we need to every hour, every minute on the minute, someone must be praying. So, you know, you're, you're calling each other and passing it on, Shanda get it, and then pass it on, man. I can only see if someone... Now you're trying to fight a battle that has already been won. Amen? Man, there has to be a, 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 an awakening that has to take place. I'm talking about in the church, we have to realize that the devil has already been defeated. And we need to stop. See, there's something else that we call prayer. People spend numerous amounts of time addressing Mr. Devil. That's not prayer. That's a circus. <laughs> prayer is fellowship with the Lord. Hallelujah. You know how long it takes for us, you and, how long it should take for you and I to address the devil? Ten seconds tops. Because he's already been defeated. The reason why he's uh, terrorizing you and bullying you around is because you give him too much attention. <laughs> it was at uh, way back St. Luke's uh, days and it was a bunch of us uh, young adults would go to uh, the youth camp. I didn't go to this one in particular. So a group went uh, with our pastor and then, I mean, we would get, all, we would get spiritual and all kinds of things would happen at, at, at those camps. And so this one, I heard the story that when they went, I mean, they were praying for people. People were getting baptized in the spirit. People were getting healed. I mean, all kinds of glorious things were happening and believers were be being equipped uh, to walk in their sonship. And in this particular incident, there was a gentleman who was trying to uh, pray for, 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 for this fella. And while he was praying for him, uh, the dude starts uh, manifesting a demon. And so he didn't know what to do. He's trying to, he starts thinking, man, what do I do? This demon is manifested. So he said, you know what? I'm going to cast it out. And so he starts trying to talk to this demon. Who are you? Where did you come from? How many of you know that you shouldn't have interviews with demons? <laughs> Who are you? Where did you come from? And the demon said, ah, you. You think you can cast me out? Go and call the pastor. He, maybe he can cast me out. And then he was like, yeah, you're right. So he took off running. <laughs> he was going out to call the pastor. And while he was going there, he realized halfway, going to call the pastor, that wait, I've just been sent by a demon. <laughs> it dawned on him. That wait. And then he came back. He said, you little foul spirits. How dare you send me? I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, come out! Man, that thing left immediately. He took his authority. Amen? And that's what you and I should do. Jesus has already defeated the devil. Now you and I can walk in that authority. Hallelujah. And so this, next time someone says to you, I'm sick, realize this, that you already have the authority over all sickness. Or just half the church said, Amen. Amen? Man, you have been given authority over that spirit. The next time, you know, uh, uh, spiritual entities try to torment you, wake you up at night, giving you nightmares, all kinds of dreams. Man, you need to take authority over that stuff. And say, in Jesus' name, I have received peace. And therefore, you foul spirit of restlessness, leave my house now in Jesus' name. And then go to doing something else. Don't now wait to see, is he going? 
Has he left? Because that's where he's going to trick you. When I tell him to go, he goes. And we move right along. Amen. I said amen. And so, uh, it says here in verse 10. Verse 10, we're back to Ephesians. Verse 10, uh, Jesus defeated the evil one. And in verse 10, he says, He that descended is the same, talking about Jesus, also that ascended up far above. Someone say far above. Far above all heavens that ye might feel all things. Verse 11, while he was ascending, he did something else. He gave some, or he obtained gifts, and he gave to this uh, dispensation that he was introducing, known as the church age, or the dispensation of grace, he obtained something. He obtained gifts for the church. And he gave some to be apostles. These are uh, uh, offices or gifts that Jesus himself obtained and he gave to the church. He gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So Jesus obtained these uh, uh, gifts for us, the church. For a reason. Amen? And this is the reason. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Jesus obtained these gifts so that these people, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So these are not uh, 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 positions on an organizational chart. Organogram, right? These are positions of responsibility. For the what? For the empowering, for the equipping of the saints so that the saints get to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen. And here's what he didn't say. He didn't say he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the exploitation of the saints. Did you see that? These are positions of servanthood. When you are called to be, and I believe there are many in this building, uh, uh, in our church, who are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but this simply means God has called you into servanthood. These offices are not offices of uh, uh, superiority. God hasn't called anyone uh, to a position of superiority. God has called these ministers to the work of the ministry. In fact, a true uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher who is called by God work, works themselves out of a job every single time they minister because they are empowering the people to not need them. Man, if you have to call me to bless your dinner, We have a problem. If you have to call me to pray for a headache, I might not answer. Because here's the truth. Is that, hey, whenever you place your uh, a hope in a man, that man is going to disappoint you. And this is why God wants you to be empowered so that you can do the work of the ministry on you and then on others. God never called any of these five offices uh, to be uh, 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 superstars so that they can uh, create fans and cheerleaders. God never called any of his church to the ministry of cheerleading. 
where we all gather, 60,000 of us, we all gather in a stadium to cheerlead one man. Man, you will lose a battle if that's your strategy. Give me a P, uh, give me a P, give me a P, give me an A, uh, give me an A, give me an A, give me an S, uh, give me an S, give me, give me a T, uh, give me a T, give me, a, give me an O, uh, give me an O, give me an, give me an Ah, pasta. Whoop, 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 whoop. I always see things in the spiritual realm. Can you imagine 60,000 of us sharing one man, only one man has a machine gun, and we are going to battle. <laughs> shoot, Dababa, shoot, 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 hey, shoot. Shoot. No, no, no. That's not what God has called us to. This is why God has decided to put a gun in every single believer's hand. So that when we go to battle, exponentially we can do more than what one man can do. Man, this is good preaching. I wish I was writing notes myself. Amen. God hasn't called you to be a cheerleader. He has called you to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. The next time you go to a family gathering, someone says, man, I have a headache. Come on over here. Let me lay hands on you pray for you where do you get that courage from he told us in john 4 14 that if you have drunk of his water you'll never thirst again someone shout i'll never thirst again that means we should also stop singing songs about i'm thirsty the man said you'll never what thirst again did he say that how many of you have drunk of the water so why are you confessing thirst he says, if you drink of the water, you'll never thirst again, but out of you shall rivers flow, welling up to eternal life. There is a fountain that's always flowing out of your life. You better put that fountain to use. Next time you go to work, someone says, man, I have a headache. Come on over here. Come over here. Let me pray for you. Lay hands on you. It doesn't have to be dramatic. You don't have to do the extra. Just lay hands on them and be quiet about it. Be healed in Jesus' name. The power will flow. It doesn't flow by volume. You can whisper, it will flow. Amen? It doesn't flow by a multitude of words. In fact, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead using four words. Now, if... The church that I go to wanted to raise someone from the dead. I can assure you it's going to be a paragraph. Shandavaro, oh Lord, the Lord of Isaac, the Lord of Ab No, Jesus, just let us come forth. Because the fountain is always flowing. There is a river flowing out of you. Amen? All right, let's get to the sermon. Let's get to the sermon. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 15. Aren't your neighbor and find out if they're still here? still here thank you jesus it says in first corinthians 15 verse 16 we're talking about the, the the importance of the resurrection amen 
Why did Jesus have to uh, uh, arise from the dead? And he says in verse 16, for if, because there were those who were starting to argue that Jesus wasn't really raised from the dead, and there were those who were arguing that it doesn't really matter whether he was raised or not raised. And so the apostle Paul uh, is uh, refuting that argument, and he says in verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, and if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. He's saying, man, we are the, of all men the most pitiable if this truth can be taken away from us. And I'm telling you, after church today, you can go on Twitter, you can go on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. There's going to be people who are going to be making fun of this truth and this reality that Jesus was raised from the dead. And if you allow them to mess with your conviction, you are of all men the most pitiable. Because if they can take that away from you, they can also take away the born-again experience from you. You know why? Because when you got born again, you literally moved from death to life. That's what happens. Amen? I said amen. Quickly, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2. Let's read Ephesians uh, chapter number 2 from verse 1 to 6, if you will. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 1 to 6. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter number 2. It says, and you, has he quickened, who were dead. Someone shout, I was dead. It says, you, has he quickened or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. So before you got born again, your state was death. And when you got born again, you literally transitioned from death to life. And the person or the event that made that possible was Jesus when he moved. He is the first fruits. He is the first one to uh, do it. When he transitioned from death to life, he made it possible for you and I to now also transition from death to life. Thank you, Jesus. He says, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, someone say, but God. He says, but God was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together. Someone say together. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. He says he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and has raised us up together. Did you see that? He has raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there are two realities that we see. Uh, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, it says in verse 21, uh, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. It says in verse 22, For as in Adam all died. So you didn't have to do anything for you to die uh, because you were born uh, by uh, uh, a man. There are two uh, uh, realities here. 
Let me just write this down. There's Adam and there's Christ. Amen. This is where death reigned. This is where we were. And now we have moved over here to life. The resurrection uh, of Jesus made this possible for you and I to transition from death spiritually, right? Spiritual death to life. And the, when Jesus was raised from the uh, dead and he came to life, he was raised as the firstborn, the first fruits. If you read over there in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 15, uh, verse uh, 20, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become. Someone say, He has become. He has become the first or the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus was the first one. He is the firstborn amongst many to move from death to life. And now that we are now uh, being identified with Christ, so there are two things you need to read and really understand when you are reading the new covenant is that you need to understand your identity in Christ and you also need to understand how you now identify with Christ. There's a difference. Before you were born again, you identified with Adam. Now that you are born again, you identify with Christ. And because you now identify with Christ, everything that Jesus did, it is counted as if you did it too. Because I know when I read that scripture in Ephesians chapter number 2, and it says you are now raised up together with Christ, you died together with Christ. You are now raised up together with Christ. And you are now seated in heavenly places uh, with Christ. Some of you were thinking, no, I, I'm not sitting in heaven. I'm sitting at the capital empire in Santon. Because you haven't understood uh, the principle of identification. Identification. That's what we're talking about, right? You use it everywhere else. You know, the things that you align yourself with, you identify with that. When you were born, you identified with Adam. You had no choice. So you were dead in your trespasses. Now that you're born again, you should start identifying with Christ. You should know your identity, true, but you should also start identifying with Christ. What do I mean by that? Uh, you know, uh, I support a football team in England called Arsenal. The Arsenal. Hallelujah. I've never understood people who support the devils. It doesn't matter what color. I've never understood that. But here's the deal. Is that when I uh, started supporting Arsenal, that was about, you know, 2009, 2008. Uh, I remember, you know, I walked up to someone and I said to them, man, I support Arsenal. And they said to me, oh, really? I said, yeah. And this is what they say, true story. They said to me, oh, man, you guys went a whole season, 2004, if you know anything about football. He said, you got the Invincibles. Hallelujah. He said, you guys went the whole season without losing a single match. Did you hear what I said? I said, he said, who? You guys. Now, here's the deal. I didn't strap up any boots. I didn't go to training. I didn't drop any sweat. But when Arsenal wins, guess what they say? You guys have won. 
Just like you didn't die physically. You're here sitting in Santon at the Capital Empire. But because I've joined Team Christ, when he died, I died. When he was raised up, I was raised up. When he sits in heavenly places, guess who else is sitting in heavenly places? Far above all principalities and powers and might and everything that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Why? Because I've joined Team Christ. So everything he did is credited to my account. In fact, when I show up, the devil thinks it's Jesus who has showed up. It's the same one that whipped us 2,000 years ago. What is he still doing here? In fact, there's now 3 billion of them. It's the principle of identification. And here's something else that, that happened. Another friend of mine called me when we uh, bought this player. We, we bought this player. We bought this player from France for 70, you won't believe how much we paid. 70 million pounds, Baba. In fact, I argued with the other guy. I told him, man, uh, we shouldn't have spent that kind of money on him. But because we had it, you know, it just didn't matter. What am I talking about? I'm talking about his riches are my riches. See, when I'm talking about my football team, I'm not looking at what I have in my wallet to determine what we can or cannot do. In fact, I want those fools to go and buy the best players. You know why? Because we can do it. And it's the same thing. When I look at what I can or cannot do, I'm not, not looking at my own wallet. I'm looking at the team that I belong to. We are on team Jesus, and because of that, all our needs are met. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. There are no limits to what we can do. You know why? Because I'm, I now identify with Christ. Someone shout, I belong, I belong. to Tim Jesus. Jesus. Push the person in front of you and tell them where now you belong to Tim Jesus. Hey, I said push the person in front of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I need to wake up. To this truth and this reality. Amen. I said amen. amen. You belong to Tim Jesus. Amen. Now if Jesus can do it. I can do it. Because I now identify with Jesus. Was Jesus terrified by demons? Neither should I. Was there a need that Jesus met. That he couldn't uh, fulfill. No. He, he fulfilled it. He furnished every need that he came across. Yes. I'm with Team Jesus, so every need that I meet is going to be furnished. Amen. Amen. That's the power that he has made available to you and I. Let's go to first, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number 1. Ooh, we only have two minutes. Ephesians chapter number 1. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to close with this. This is going to blow your mind if you're listening. Someone else is thinking about lunch. What were we having for lunch? Man, this is better than lunch. This is good food. Amen. This will get you victorious. Woo. So the Apostle Paul began to pray that we, primarily the church at Ephesus and ultimately the saints, he began to pray in Ephesians chapter number 1, from verse 18 onwards, he began to pray that our eyes, spiritual eyes, may be opened to this reality. 
that there is so much that has been put on the inside of us, it's time for us to use it. Amen? I said amen. He prayed and he said in verse 18, in fact, before we even read the Apostle Paul's prayer, I think this is a revelation. Uh, uh, if, 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 if we were to ask you to pray for something today, uh, that people would still uh, uh, read, you know, 200 years from today, and it, it still impacts them, then you're praying uh, prayers that are not self-centered. Man, I should be able to come and, and read your prayers and, and, and be able to get some revelation. And sometimes when you, when, when you hear people pray, you write that thing down, you give it to people 200 years from today, it, it won't look like a prayer. Lord, if you could just give me iPhone 12, Father Jesus, if you could just, I will serve you for people in 200 years. What kind of prayer is this? Okay, all right, moving right along. So the Apostle Paul prays and he says, I pray that the eyes of the church at Philippi, of your understanding be opened or be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. There is always a hope when you transition from death to life. There is always a hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory. Now that you belong to Tim Christ, you need to realize that there are riches of his glory that are at your disposal. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, inside of them? What is that uh, 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 riches of his glory in the saints? It is this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. So he's saying there is a power that is on the inside of you, which is according to the working of his mighty power. What kind of power is that? Give me an example, Apostle Paul. He says the same power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Did you see that? He says that same power you used to raise Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. Some of you may say, I didn't really see that. Let's go to your feet, uh, Romans chapter number 8, verse 11. You're going to see it now. Romans chapter number 8, verse 11. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in who? In who? This is the truth that the spirit that raised him, uh, Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make your mortal bodies come to life. Did you see that? He shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells where? Oh man, this is good news. He says this spirit that dwells in you shall quicken your mortal bodies. The same spirit, just in case you think you were shortchanged, it's the same spirit, molecule for molecule. It's the same spirit that was demonstrated when Jesus was raised from the dead. God took that same spirit or that same power and he put it on the inside of you. And it's time for you and I to start using it. Amen. I thought I was going to get an amen. Amen. When we're not using this power, it is like a man who has a, a, a muscle car in his garage. Four horse power. Is that four? Four thousand? Five million horsepower. Let's just go uh, extravagant. 
10 liter engine dropped off you could go places but this man just gets out of his house goes into the garage starts that thing and revs vroom, 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 vroom. and they jump out of the car Ooh, the power so much power they go back into the car vroom, 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 and they jump out. oh the power and then they get to praying lord send more power what have you done with the power he's already given you? It's time to get in the car, go somewhere. It's time to take the power of God that he has put on the inside of us and use it towards a cause. Use it towards your community. Start using that power that Jesus has already put on the inside of you. It's the same power that raised him from the dead. It's time for believers to lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. Amen. I said, Amen. It's time for believers to stand up and be counted and speak into the nation, into the prosperity of our continent, Africa. Man, we can't be sitting in the garage wishing and hoping. Man, I wish I could go to Randbeck. Get in the car and drive that thing to Randbeck. We need some divine orchestrators. God hasn't called His church to be social commentators. God hasn't called believers to just make a commentary on what's going on. God has put enough power in us to start making a divine orchestration and change and turn the whole thing into a new direction. Anybody can comment on what's happening in the news. It takes faith to speak of things that are not as though they are while you are releasing the power of God that he has already put on the inside of you. Listen, the next time you feel a pain in your body, don't wait on that thing. Put hands on yourself. Quote that scripture, Romans 8, 11. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me and it quickens my mortal body. Therefore, cells, I command you to be quickened. Tissues, I command you to be organs. I command you to be quickened right now in Jesus' name. And that life will begin to take effect. Divine orchestrators, not social commentators. Anybody can say something about the symptoms. Ooh, it's, ooh, it's sore. It takes faith to say, yeah, it might be sore, but I have the same life. I have the same spirit. Therefore, soreness, I have an announcement for you. Be removed. Jesus. Depart. Never to come back. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to use the power of God that he has put on the inside of us. It's time to start laying hands on our children and declare some things. Amen. Instead of getting on the phone and saying, man, you won't believe what this one, they're just like their father. They're, 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 it's time to lay hands on them little rascals and say, man, let me tell you something. You are not a, you are not a follower. You are a leader. You shall not be influenced uh, by peer pressure. You are a leader. It's time to lay hands on them. Even though you know they are being influenced, man, God hasn't called you to be a social commentator. He has called to be a divine orchestrator. You call those things that are not as though they are. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I have translated from death to life. I'm alive. I'm alive. The very life of God, very life of God 
flows in me and it flows through me. These hands, when I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. This mouth can speak things and they happen. God has called me to be a divine orchestrator. Therefore, I shall speak my destiny in line with his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me teach you. Some of you in here, you've been struggling with uh, fear, worry, anxiety uh, about all kinds of things financially, uh, more so, most people. In here, I can sense it in the spirit. You know, just struggling financially. You're wondering uh, uh, if, you know, the ends are going to meet and uh, things of that nature. Man, it's time to speak life. It's time to speak life. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.